Hi, my name is Agile, and I support Gen X Grown Up through Patreon, and I believe you should too. Just go to patreon.com slash genxgrownup. Gen X Grown Up is a YouTube channel, website, and audio podcast you're listening to right now. All made for and by people who love exploring media, games, tech, and toys of yesterday and today through the eyes of Gen Xers who refuse to grow up. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown-up. Welcome back, Gen X Grown Up Podcast listener, to this backtrack edition of the Gen X Grown Up Podcast. I am John. Joining me, as always, is George. Woo! And Mo is here. Um, hi. <laughs> You're not required to woo just because George did. It's all right. I, I feel okay. like either I had to go the opposite or something, you know? <laughs> the backtrack edition of our show is where we pick a single topic and dig in deep on that. Something from our youth growing up that's different or changed dramatically. Uh, and in this episode, we decided to talk about Generation X music platforms. Yeah. And the reason we picked this topic, uh, platform this show, shoes. no, not platform shoes. That's no, the not talking about disco. <laughs> platform video games. This show will drop on the 10th of January. And just yesterday, January 9th is the 18th anniversary of the launch of iTunes by Apple. Wow. Okay. Wow. Wait, what year was that again? 2001. 2000. Wow. Is that long ago? Yeah. Jeez. Mm, I think it's fair to say that iTunes or some variation on it is the new de facto method by which audio is distributed. Yeah, that is sure. the platform yeah. that you get music. We all had the ways we got music growing up, which is what we're going to talk about. But it's really, it's a pivotal time in history, that 2001 launch of iTunes. Apple actually didn't invent iTunes. They bought that from a company called Sound Jam MP. Oh, really? I didn't know oh, that. I didn't know that. Yeah, they acquired it. They took away, it was kind of like Winamp a little bit. Okay. They took out the ability to skin it. They took out some other features. They kind of appled it down to make it real kind of <laughs> sterile. Initially, it wasn't thought of as a way to uh, buy music, but real quickly, it became the way that so everybody was sound got Jam, Was it originally built on a Windows platform, do you know? Or do you think it was always built for the Mac OS platform? Uh, that's a great question. I don't know that for sure. Because right now, iTunes on Windows sucks. It does. Yep. Yep. Yeah. In fact, they didn't release the Windows version until 2003. I, I still you know, resent them for doing it, but I had to because for a long time, that was the only way you could do uh, an iPod or an iPhone if you wanted mm -hmm. to have it a right. Windows. If you were to sync it, you had to use it. Right. If The only way you could activate your phones with plugging it in physically to iTunes, the only way to update your phone. So they had to get outside of the Apple ecosystem. Uh, also, we, we use iTunes a lot as it is the de facto kind of like authority for podcasts. Uh, you know, if you, if you have a review on iTunes, you're not a podcast. Podcast, almost, right. you know? Yeah. But well before iTunes, what we're going to talk about in this backtrack is how we purchased listened to, collected, had music in our hands before digital download was a thing. And that's what we're going to talk about in this show right now. Look what's coming in your mail. Get 11 albums for only $1 when you join the Columbia Record and Tape Club. Terrific? Well, I'm about to tell you how to go this offer one better. First, look inside. You'll see over 300 great albums. It's easy to find 12 you want because you have a choice of all the top labels. As we get into then talking about these Gen X music platforms. Music didn't begin with Gen X. We perfected it, but it didn't begin with us. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So there, as we were born and coming in to our own collecting music, vinyl was already a thing. Uh, oh, we yeah. didn't invent that. That was yeah, not a Gen that. X invention. Thank you, Gramophone. Thank you, Edison. Uh, the ability to have uh, recorded music in our homes. But vinyl was the first way that I collected music, to be sure. Sure. Okay. Yeah, I can yeah, get yeah. you on that. Yeah. So we had our we had our 33 and a third. We had our 45 RPMs. You had this 78 RPM it's, that I yeah. never had one of, but it's, it's, it's a thing. You know, I know. <laughs> and that was just, for anyone who's grown today in the world of digital music, the whole kind of reason collecting music was a big deal for us growing up, in my opinion, at least, is there's something really cool and tactile about those big LP records. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you because it's like I remember collecting albums and just having the album. Mm-hmm. You had the sleeves. Yeah. You had not just the album, but the album art. That was a yeah, the big artwork. Oh, yeah. The photographers or the artists who made that album art, they're yeah. collectible albums just for the art. It has nothing to do with the music sometimes. And there are so many parts of that album. So first, first there's the artwork on it. Right. And then and sometimes there's the structure of it. Is it a gatefold? Does it open up right. two or three times? Mm-hmm. And then inside, there's the sleeve that the record is inside of, this paper sleeve that sometimes had more artwork on it or had lyrics on it or had candid photos of the band or whatever. And it was an experience that you could enjoy. It was like going to buy an Atari video game. You went to the mall, you got the game, and on the way home, you got the box open, you're reading the instruction manual, you're looking at all the screenshots. It's almost like you're you're getting into the game, you know, in that sense. You could get into the music before you even put that thing down and put the needle on it. It, it was it was a larger experience than download and push play. I still remember like when I had this ritual, whenever I got a new album, it was like, take it home, open it, put the record on, like start it playing, and then uh-huh. read through the album cover. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of like a listening and it was a whole experience. Absolutely. Yeah. I think one of my early 33 and a third album art cover things that I remember is the Eagles. I believe it was their second or third album. The one that has the iconic image of the Eagle flying over the desert on the cover. And then you open it up and it's got them sitting around a campfire on the inside of the album. Yes, art. yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Of but course. The most famous part of that is they're upside down when you open it up. And the reason for that was because the executive in charge of the record company, he went against the original artist creation. The guys who did the original artwork for that, they had designed the cover so that you would not only open it up like a book format, but then you would also unfold it from top to bottom and it would form oh. This huge panoramic poster picture Neat. and the top of it was the eagle flying over the desert. And then the bottom of it was them sitting around the campfire because it was it. one giant image. But this guy took and he said he didn't like that because it was a traditional <laughs> album format. Oh, so he glued it shut so you couldn't do that. <laughs> and so they upside down on the inside of the album. Trivia for you. I had no idea. Yeah, me neither. There's an Eagles documentary out there, the history of the Eagles. And yeah. the best part of that whole documentary when it's talking to this guy, the artists, you know, it's cut scenes back and forth between them and the art guys are like, well, this is why I designed it and I have no idea why I did it. And then they cut to the executive guy and he just shrugs your shoulders and goes, eh. And I'm like, you jerk. <laughs> Those creative types, they really get in the way of business. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, another thing you know about LPs or having the records that it made you value them more, I think, because you had to be so careful with them. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. A scratch would ruin your world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you actually had to take care of these things. And when you loaned them to people, you had to loan them to like only certain people because you knew so-so didn't take care of the records, you know? So the album itself had like an inherent value. 
as opposed to just being a song. Well, and having music on albums, you know, one of the bands that I'm a huge fan of, even to this day, is the Alan Parsons Project. And they are mm-hmm. what you called AOR, which stands for Album Oriented Rock. They actually stacked the tracks with the intention that you would listen to an entire side yeah. in sequence. And often they each kind of song subtly built on the previous one. It told a bit of a story throughout it. There was a theme. And the other side was a different chapter of that or a different theme, maybe. Uh, and that's that's totally alien. You know, now we went to DVDs we'll talk about later and then you could jump around easily in tracks and there was no album oriented anything. That's all. Everything is singles driven and you can jump to any track you want. Just hear your favorite. But having that entire side, you know, jumping to the third track on there was a magic trick of being able to get that needle just right in the, the dark line <laughs> right. between the two things, you know, and it goes squeak when you drop the needle. Uh, it, was a, it was a different way of listening, not just only a different way of collecting. Yeah, and Mo, you talked about having those, which is awesome. You know, you got a big crate, like an apple crate of your albums. <laughs> milk, crate. milk crate. You're flipping through Milk crate yeah. was the biggest thing to collect albums in. I used to have it fit perfectly. Yeah, perfect, perfect, perfect width. Yep. The other thing is like with the albums, like if I happened to buy like, you know, I bought like a uh, Pink Floyd, like Dark Side of the Moon or something like that. You wouldn't just listen to one song. You may have bought it for one song. Right. Your favorite. You listen to the whole thing, right? Invariably, because either you're just too lazy to get up and change it, or <laughs> right? yeah, there's or, no remote control. Nope. Right. There's no remote control. So I wound up appreciating a lot of these like smaller songs that today the I. The non radio songs, right? Right. The, the non radio songs. Released. Yeah. Yep. The deep cuts. The deep cuts, exactly. Which today I don't think that even exists on modern music, does it? Well, I mean, they still do that, but I don't know. Now there's, it's almost as though there's a movement out there to find the deep cuts to be the guy who starts talking about the song that's not the pop song on the radio first because of all social media and everything. So people are like, they'll listen to the newest album that's dropped by artists such and such and they won't talk about the songs that everybody talks about. They're trying to find that one song that will then start a trend because they're the person who found it kind of a thing, I've noticed. Yeah, but I guess the deep cuts, so always think, for me, they were like the, the the more creative of the songs usually that the person had. Like, I'm a big, like, Peter Gabriel. You know, I listen That's to a lot of That's probably where you're stuff. able to kind of, kind of stretch out your comfort zone a little bit and try something because you're yeah, not trying exactly. for the radio edit version of something. It's, uh, let's try something experimental. We'll put it on uh, somewhere deep in the first uh, side, right? Also, there's that whole music executive influence over it. The music executive would say, okay, artist, mister, you get three songs per side on the album that are yours to put on. We won't tell you how to do it. We won't edit it in any way. These are your songs. So those invariably became the deep cuts because, of course, the company wouldn't then promote those songs on the radio. That's not the ones going to sell the album, right? Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. It was only the ones that were part of the machine of pop music that would end up on the radio or the rock station or whatever it was, jazz music, whatever. But I found that that made you feel a little bit more like you were in tune with the artist when you found those songs and could appreciate them because you felt like, okay, this is the stuff that's not influenced by the executives. This is just between that artist and me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the uh, the thing that gets me though is like today we, I guess it's that whole media gratification kind of thing. And it's not bashing in anybody. It's just the way it is. Is that, you know, you listen to a song, you're like, eh, you skip it, right? Right. Yep. But it may take, you may have to listen to a song a couple of times and also you're like, wow, that's a really good song. Before, yeah, before you get to the meat of it or, or kind of. Right, exactly. Understand Which, what the artist was going for. Right. Yeah. Sure. Yep. And maybe you don't get there now. You can. It's too easy to, to track skip or just say next. Exactly. Channel. You just yep. say next. You know, you hit a button and you're on the next song and you never even give it like a chance to kind of grow on you or to kind of for you to discover what's good about that particular music. You know, the backside of that, that's got to put a lot of pressure on the artist because they have to come up with a song 
that will keep you from doing that now. Back then, they could produce more of what they wanted without having to think about that kind of a thing. But now, because it is so easy to skip a song and not listen to it, they have to really think, okay, what have I got to do in the first 20 seconds of this song? That's to the make machine. Stay? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we got to grab them in the first five seconds. They're hitting next. Yep. Right. <laughs> Here it is. The new RCA Victor record. The modern, inexpensive way to enjoy music. Slip it between the pages of an ordinary-sized book. That's right. It's only seven inches across. Being made of vinylite, you can bounce them, slap them around, you can bend them without the slightest distortion of tone quality. Could you use a helping hand on your next electronics project? Quad Hands is the ultimate third-hand helping hands vice and hobby station. The first thing you'll notice is how heavy a quad hands is. It's made from solid steel and then coated with a baked-on powder coat for a durable finish. And the rubber feet are going to keep it from sliding on your bench and give you a nice, sturdy work surface. Those flexible all-metal gooseneck arms feature rotating alligator clips to hold your boards and wires firmly in place. And removable silicone covers come pre-installed on those clips to protect those delicate wires and boards. And those arms can be put anywhere you need them, no fumbling around with awkward joints that are difficult to position. The Quad Hands was designed to help you do your best work. It's built to last right here in the USA and backed by a lifetime guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Order yours today from Amazon or quadhands.com. Gen X Grown Up Podcast listeners can save 20%. Just use offer code GENXUP20, that's G-E-N-X-U-P-2-0. For your next project, let a Quad Hands hold what your hands create. Well, George, you were talking about, you know, the marketability of things and how you can't jump around tracks. Uh, Mm -hmm. The next kind of format that we kind of collected was still vinyl, but the 45s, that's where they started putting singles out. Yep. That's all the whole jukebox era style as well. You know, 45s were probably, I'm not, I can't say they were specifically developed for jukeboxes, but I bet that was a heavy influence because the original Mm -hmm. albums, the 33 and the thirds, there was no need to break those up. You bought that album, you put it on your record player at home and you listen to it. But when people started wanting to listen to songs at the soda fountain or mm-hmm. at the bar or wherever. Out of the juke joint. Yep. Yeah, they had to be in smaller <laughs> formats so that you could switch in between. Plus you were paying for them yep. usually. And out there you want to hear just quarter. the hits. That's the point. Yeah. If you're ready to dance, I want to dance to this. I don't want to hear the melancholy track three. You want to hear just these hits. <laughs> and those devices yeah. had to have the smaller record formats in order to to be able to play a wider variety of music. Can you imagine having 133 and a third albums in a jukebox? That thing would be huge. Think about yeah, the carousel right. on that thing. Yeah, it looked like a soda machine. It'd be enormous. Yeah. Yeah. God, do you still remember having the uh, the little thing you had you needed for the middle of the 45s? That was like, just going to talk about. Plastic yeah, thing. The yeah, 45 the adapter. adapter. Yeah. You know what I, I never understood? is why did you need those? Because it was cheaper to produce the 45s with a bigger hole because it took less vinyl. That was the whole point. Seriously? Yep. It was just hmm. a money thing. It was cheaper for them to cut a bigger hole because that used less vinyl. Did you ever not have the adapter and try to play a 45? Yep. <laughs> of yep. course. Of course. <laughs> it gets a little wobbly. It gets a little wobbly. Perfect. You, hope, you hope it doesn't spin so fast that it, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know, that like that emblem, that little uh, kind of like, it's like a, what is it? Like a little hurricane looking shape, a little three-armed yeah, salamandery yeah. shape. That has become like a hipster badge of honor. I've seen like necklaces of those and tattoos really? of those. Oh, really? Yeah. And 
I'm like, do you even know what that is? Or just, does that mean old music to you? Do you know that was just an adapter for my record to fit on my damn spindle? That's all it is. Yeah. It's like they had the ones that usually came with your record player. That was like a big solid. Like a solid block. Yeah. yeah, solid yeah. Block. But then you had the ones that you could adapt anything. Yeah. Oh, did you guys ever have a record player that you could stack multiple records on? I sure mm-hmm. did. Yep. Yeah. And it would just go to the next record. And it would yep. drop the record. It would move the arm yep. out of the way, Smack. drop the record. Yep. yep. <laughs> I guess it took a lot. I guess it was how you kind of did a playlist. But, you know, generally that means you're going to listen to the whole side of whatever albums are there. Of course you are. Yep. Right. And so you would stack them certain things. Okay, I want to hear this side and this side and this side. And that could be three hours of music. Easy. I yeah. knew people who bought two copies of the same album so they could, so could have, have the A and B. Oh, a and B. <laughs> they wouldn't have to get up and change anything. They would just put it well, on. It would be like for a dinner party right or something. There. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when we're talking about 45s too. I mean, I just want to mention that 45 collecting was more like trading card collecting. Hmm. You kind of get together with your friend and you have your little box of 45s. Like, oh, I have this and I have this and I have this. Uh, do you have that one? And like, oh no, I haven't heard that yet. Well, let's trade this one. Whereas I think LPs were things that this is my collection that I have. Whereas 45s is more of a, it was a fluid thing that you would move around and swap maybe or try to get all, all the 45s, all the singles that came out from a band. Uh, but 45s also created the whole concept of the B-side. Sure. Oh you know, yeah. Typically yeah. they would release, here is the hit song. And it beca- it was all kind of interesting to see what are they going to put on the B-side? Is it going to be one of those deep tracks? Is it going to be another a song they're trying to make radio famous? Or an or alternate mix of the original song on the yeah, A-side? Or the instrumental sometimes. Right. Sometimes you could only get those B-sides on the 45, which was cool. Yeah. Sometimes those were alternate tracks. Oh yeah. And it was funny when these like B-side songs that were famous. And of course, you know, there's usually not that many because there's a B-side, right? Right. Yeah, but, of course. Know, like one is that um on for the Beatles, they came with a 45 for Hey Jude, right? Sure. The flip side of that was Revolution. Ah. That was the B-side. Oh, wow. That was the B-side of that song. It's just interesting because you never know. Like, those are like, oh, these hidden gems, I guess, you find on the B-side. And sometimes they grow in popularity, right? You know, oh, it yeah. depends on the people listening to it and who starts talking about it and how the word gets spread. Yeah. Well, I remember in, uh, in college listening to radio that there would be these late night stations that would be like B-side hour. And they'd only play B-sides. Oh, sure. great. Yeah. That's, that's smart. I remember for my 45s, one of the biggest things for me was that it was easier to talk my parents into buying 45s when I was younger because they were cheaper. They're like 99 cents or something. Yeah, or, 40, or even less than that, like yeah, 75 cents, cheaper. 50 cents. But then also, I was really into TV show theme songs, and those were almost always released on 45s. Those were yeah, rarely on 33 and a really. thirds. Right. Yep. So I would have the one that I played to know in and learned how to sing and would have the fake microphone hairbrush in front of the mirror kind of thing. Facts of life. John, it's one of your favorite TV shows of all time. Greatest American hero. Nice. Give us a few bars, George. Oh, hell no. (laughs) No, 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 no. no. No, not without the album, not without the courage of a 10-year-old boy standing in his bedroom yeah. in his pajamas. No, that's not Walking happening. on air, believe it or not. <laughs> Here's how oh, to order. Before speedy delivery, call in the USA, 1-800-241-8444. Save the COD charges and $7.99 for the records, $9.99 for A-Track or cassette tape to Conway Twitty, 948 South Grant Avenue, Department 19, Tacoma, Washington, 98405. I'm a little older than you two guys, I know. A little? So, <laughs> what do you mean a little? <laughs> he's, he's a little older than me. He's a little That's more like older than George. telling somebody who's standing in the path of a tidal wave that they might get a little moist. 
What do you mean you're a little <laughs> older than us? Wow. So, uh, 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 all right, enough of that. <laughs> you guys probably don't have as much experience with this as I do, but I remember A-Track. Oh, yeah, A-Track, Especially because yeah. A-Track was what you had to listen to. Basically, it was the only real car music when I was very little. A-Tracks were kind of, that was the portable music of my right. parents. We had them, but I don't think I ever bought any for myself, but boy, they were all around the house. Yeah, my first compilation album experience was due to an 8-track. It was one of those things where they could combine a whole bunch of different people's songs on one thing and we could take it in the car and play it. That was what I remember the most about 8-tracks. By various artists. I just remember that, how like because you had the, basically it was 8-tracks. I mean, it was literally 8-tracks on a single spool. Yeah, mm-hmm. but and when you jump, though, it's like if you're in the middle of song one and you jump to song two, you're in you're the, middle the middle of song, of song two. two. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? So I was like, oh, I don't listen. But then you missed the beginning of the previous song. You're like, oh, crap. And it really wasn't much as far as fast forward, rewind, didn't really work real well. And A-tracks were horribly designed. I mean, if you ever yes. taken one apart, it's basically oh, a huge. self-destructive engineering feat. Yeah. <laughs> because it, the, the, it is. The, the tape is drug across the spinning spool of tape. So it's constantly eroding away a little bit of the surface and grinding it down a bit. So they didn't last very well. Or if you have them and were played much, they weren't very good quality. It, literally, they were designed in such a way that they're self-destructive. It's it's right. like an iPhone. You know, it's like they're going to last a little while, then they're going <laughs> to be worthless. Been on purpose. I mean, that helped them to sell more 8-tracks because your 8-track would get worn I'm out sure and used, did. and then you would have to go I'm buy it sure. again if you liked and it. And don't leave them in the sun. But at least it was portable. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're not taking a 33 and a third in the car. And the reason they had to do that was an 8-track is an infinite loop. There is no go to the beginning, go to the end. It's an oh. in- infinite, constant yeah. loop. Right. There's no rewind in 8-track. There's just go to the next place. You know, I always got confused because when I was younger, I would hear you would have the eight track cassette, right? And that was how you would listen to music on that device. But then later on, as I got older, I would hear artists talking about, well, we laid down these tracks and there was the the lead singer track and the vocal, the mm-hmm, drummer mm-hmm. track. And, it, and I got completely confused because I had the eight tracks was the only vernacular that I understood. I didn't know right. what tracks were in recording. Gotcha. So the, the musical track nomenclature was getting confused mm-hmm. with the tracks on an eight track distribution method. Exactly. I got it. Because yep. that was all I knew as I was <laughs> growing yep. up. Mm. Do you guys have any experience with reel to reel? Only a tiny bit. I had one hippie stoner uncle who used reel to reel. My dad was a huge reel to reel guy. Was it better quality than eight track? I'm guessing they actually said the sound quality ain't real real they to some people or oh, certain people say it's amazing huh. yeah so the fact that you mentioned real to real mo is a fantastic segue well done did you plan this I totally did <laughs> the real to real is exactly what a cassette is in a smaller yeah. form factor a real to real they literally you had a reel of magnetic tape that you had to spool up and put on a, a, a uptake reel mm-hmm. but once you get it going if you look at that it's two spinning reels it looks just like a cassette yeah, I guess I yeah. didn't think about that but you're Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So what a cassette is, they said, let's go ahead and lock that down. We'll put the take up reel and uh, we'll have it all inside of a little container. And so you're having reel to reel on a smaller tape. That's what a cassette is. Yeah. Hmm. And the width of the tape was the big issue back then because, you know, the reel to reel, you know, it was like a half inch. Yeah, right. And so that gave it the range for playing the music, which they eventually as technology got better. And then the things that read the magnetic tape got better. They were able to shrink it down into a cassette. Huh. So are cassettes then inherently less quality than a standard half inch reel to reel because they have oh, less absolutely. magnetic space? Yo, is yeah. that what Huge. it is? Okay. Fidelity is much, much lower, in fact, yeah. because not only is it a ha- is not went from a half inch down to, I think, is it an eighth of an inch or quarter inch, inch whatever that is? Yeah. It's small. But also it's, it is. it's that split in half because you have the A side, you can flip it over to the B side. So they're only recording on a half of 
of the tape or oh, um, a single track. I always wondered about right. that. So so yeah. if you're looking at the strip of tape in a cassette, you're saying yep. that the A side is just on the middle the to left the one edge and then the right. A B side is the middle to mm-hmm. the other edge? Yep. Uh, in, in fact, it's worse than that because there are four tracks. You have a left and right Oh, half, right, and you have stereo. a left and right oh, other half. Oh, you had stereo. Oh. Yeah, right. so a stereo cassette is, can only record on a quarter of the width of that cassette tape to get stereo. Wow, so that's one thirty seconth of an inch yeah. if it was an eighth inch or yep. a quarter inch yeah. tape. Yeah, yeah. Holy super crap. Tiny. Yeah, and still sounded awesome. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but now it didn't sound as good as an album, but it was definitely good enough for your Walkman, <laughs> for sure. Well, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Before you had the Walkman, though, I mean, those cassettes were, remember, cassette decks in cars and cassette decks mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. that were attached to your album playing device, you know, your stereo, your home stereophonic mm-hmm. system. Yep. But I always wondered what got them to that form factor, because if you look at a cassette, there's that little raised area where the magnetic tape is exposed to the world and it's a little bit thicker there i guess for the pulley systems and stuff like that mm-hmm. than it is throughout the rest of the cassette uh-huh. i always wondered why that area was set up that way why i didn't get why the whole cassette couldn't be a little bit thicker because mm-hmm. it wasn't yeah. that much of a difference it really you know it was negligible between those two i didn't understand why it needed to be that size and then i also didn't understand why so much of that tape had to be exposed because the read head for the cassette that player really only went in the little middle section of that exposed area. All the rest of that seemed to not be used. I didn't understand that. Well, there are actually multiple heads that get attached there. So when when the, when the when it comes down to the player, part of the mechanism is inside of the cassette. You have the little foam pad that applies pressure right. to push it against the head. But many cassette players would have multiple heads that had to touch that tape because oh. if you were recording something, there was an erase head that had to hit before the record head hit. And then you had a play head and those all hit at different locations on the tape. So those different little windows in the bottom of the tape would touch different heads based on what you were doing. If you were erasing or recording or playing. So it had different areas that it had to do. Uh, And unlike a VCR, it doesn't pull the tape out. That larger block, I think, is there because it has to push the mechanism of the tape player up into that area. There's machinery and rollers and stuff that had to fit inside of the cassette. And for those rollers to fit in in there, they had to be a little wider to get that mechanism in there. Wow. I I say one thing, that probably the single greatest invention that came out for cassette players was auto reverse. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Without a doubt because it's like you don't have to flip it over and all they did really was either put two read heads in it or the read head could shift over a little bit it's one of those two things that's right yeah there's a great video on youtube by technology connections where he talks all about those and some companies actually flipped the head around yeah just and other companies actually put two heads in there yeah because the heads are super cheap too i think from a manufacturing standpoint that one and it also um search forward to find the brakes auto seek auto seek -seek. that is the best one yeah auto seek would it would high speed look for the next moment of silence and then rewind a little bit to where it was and awesome that that you was know what the best thing scared ever me about auto reverse and auto seek though was that giant kajunk sound i know it sounds terrible <laughs> like it was breaking everything on the universe and you were like oh my god there goes my 699 cassette but no it was fine it was just as loud as the machinery yep. stopped doing what it was doing oh i hated that yeah, the scariest <laughs> thing about those it looks like you so it looks like two reels are cranking and if they stop at the wrong time it's going to snap your tape right mm-hmm. the cool thing is only one reel was actually moving the other one right. was just being pulled along with the tape because they would turn at different speeds 
needs. So really the ka-chunk was just a motor stopping, but boy, for all the world, it sounded like it was about to rip my tape in half. That seems like <laughs> one of the things though that could have caused the tapes to be worn out because of the stretching, because that's a very oh, thin was. film. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. had to be one of the reasons why your cassettes yeah. would wear out so quickly. Over time, sure. Yep. And remember they had different cassettes introduced the terrible hiss because of the, <laughs> the analog encoding. Right. Yeah. And so Dolby sound reduction Dolby. came around because of that. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. they introduced other types of takes, type two and type three and metal tapes. Is that the She Blinded Me With Science Thomas Dolby guy? Is that the same guy? Not the same guy. No. no. <laughs> a different Dolby. <laughs> that sucks because that guy should have been the guy to invent all that stuff. All the sound reduction, the idea was like, hey, that hiss we're trying to get rid of. And so Dolby sound reduction would crank up extra high range and the same frequency as the hiss. And then when you electronically remove that frequency, enough of the signals there so it sounds like the original audio should sound. Huh. But there's different, like there was Dolby A, Dolby B, there was... Yep. And yep. you had to and, figure and, out which one was the right one for yeah. different situations. And, and I frankly, fun. I never turned on Dolby because I liked the sound of more high end in my music. So yeah, I liked it, it to be- the sound. It did dull it a little bit by pulling out the extra highs. I liked it to sound. I just deal with the hiss. I just turn it up louder. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> so how many times is like your tape deck just totally ate your tape? Oh, yeah. Oh, and you pop it out. And you had to pull out and you had to try to carefully unravel this tangled mess. You get it out of the machine. And, and then, then get your pencil- to, yep. to kind you of respool Gotta have a number two pencil. Yeah. <laughs> yep. just I don't know who decided that a pencil should be the exact same dimension. And it, it was like having a half inch wrench. It fit perfectly yeah, in it, there. It was always a perfect Right in the little teeth. You could rewind your cassette. The little flat parts of the pencil, if you had the yeah, they fit perfectly in there. pencil, they would move the teeth of the reel. Yep. And you couldn't have a rounded pencil. It wouldn't yeah, work. Yeah, you had the round pencil. Slip. Screw that. That's not a yeah. cassette type pencil. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if anybody ever marketed their pencils. Great for cassette tape rewinding. <laughs> <laughs> Radio Shack has a super half-price deal now on an 8-track car stereo tape player. Regularly $59.95, now just $29.95. You save $30 and get your choice of music wherever you drive. Only at Radio Shack, a Tandy company. Drawn and Paneled is a brand new comic book-focused podcast from Gen X Grown Up. Hey, I'm George. And I'm Jason. Every Wednesday, we bring you news, reviews, interviews, insight, and commentary on the comic books we love. And we cover everything from the golden age to the modern age. If you're a comic book fan who enjoys going beyond the page to learn about the history and creators who bring the characters to life, we're for you. You can find Drawn and Paneled wherever you listen to podcasts or on our website at genxgrownup.com. Talk to you guys soon. Okay, so we've talked all about the ways that we've enjoyed music, the different media formats and everything, but one platform of music is the selling platform, where you went to go get your music. Now, there are a lot of different places you go, right? There were music stores. There were the local mom and pop shops that had the guy over there with the odd, weird, clear case of pipes that you weren't really sure what the pipes were for. (laughs) Right? (laughs) When you were younger, but then figured out as you got older. Yeah. (laughs) Why is that one shaped like the mermaid mast on a ship. I don't get what's going on there. Then there were the corporate versions of music stores. And I'm talking about the places like Turtles and Tower what was Records, the one that Peaches. had the Tower Records out in California Records, that became yeah. a big West Coast thing. We never had Tower Records here, but Turtles was the one that I used to go to a lot when I was in my just getting my license years. I really enjoyed just uh-huh. the Walmart feel of the music store. You could just walk in 
in and there was this giant place full of every kind of music you could want albums cassettes even a couple of eight tracks over to the side in the dingy corner that nobody ever dusted where did you guys go to get your music so i mean my big place was probably tower records was the biggest store in new york at the time and they were massive. It was actually four different floors. And every wow. floor was a different type of music. One was just rock. Oh, wow. One was classical. One was jazz. I mean, they had that many albums. And it kind of goes back to something you said earlier, George, about the album art. Because, mm-hmm. you know, the idea of flipping through mm-hmm. rows of albums and you see a eye-catching art, you're like, oh, what's that? You pull it out and, you know, you may give it a shot. Yeah, like when we used to talk about the VHS tapes and everything, you go to the VHS store and it was that cover art on the VHS cassette. That might be the that thing that grabs you. Made you watch that horror martial arts film from you know some foreign country <laughs> right. Albania or something yeah but you find some really neat stuff in there too right absolutely yeah I like the standalone ones or, or even the ones that are in the malls you know like the even today you have the FYEs and stuff like that but oh yeah but uh, you know back then I, I think the one I went to a lot was called Peaches that was uh, somewhere in Orlando it was very much like a turtles same kind of idea for me the idea of going to a music store first it was where you unless you heard it on the radio and you were saying oh I heard that song I want to go get that album that's great but for me, I spent more time in music stores discovering stuff. Oh, you know, okay. what is let's flip let's flip through the bees. Who's in here? What looks interesting? Let's, let's go over to the cassette wall. There were the wall of cassettes where they had mm-hmm. a million little slots, but all the cassettes on the wall, and all you could see was the edge of it. There's a great spot in one of my favorite films, Jackie Brown where one of the Mm -hmm. lead characters, he's been told about this music by one of the other lead characters. And he walks into one of those record stores and he's looking through a wall of cassettes until he finds that one cassette by that group that has the song on it. I Uh loved just seeing that in that film because I remember, like you're saying, you just scan this giant. Yeah, preserve that kind of experience. I don't think any of the ones on the very top ever got bought, though. That was too well, tall. How could you? To how could you? <laughs> I would go in and, you know, we had a backtrack a few weeks ago. We talked about novelty music. And that's how I discovered a lot of the novelty stuff was you could go and look oh, at rock sure. and pop and country, but they would have a section of comedy, novelty, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like mm-hmm. that. And you'd flip through and a lot of it was silly garbage shit, but sometimes there was <laughs> gems in there. You know, like I was a fan of uh, Monty Python, of course. Oh yeah, sure. Flipping through the comedy albums is how I found the Firesign Theater, another comedy troupe. Fire- I would never have discovered. It's just because I was going looking for Monty Python and I stumbled across Firesign. And you you might not accidentally do that online unless Firesign bought an ad to appear when I'm looking at Monty Python. But because you're in the record store and it's in the same genre and you had to flip through all those things, you had to manually page through the things that yeah. you weren't there for. And that's how I discovered. Well, you know, you talk about Firesign Theater, unless they bought an ad to play yeah. during the Monty Python thing, that essentially it's taking the place of the music store employee snob. You remember this guy, you would go <laughs> into the music store and yeah. you'd be looking through stuff and you're like, can I help you find something? I'm just kind of browsing. Why are you browsing through that stuff? That's crap. Yeah, Let that's me tell corrupt. you about this what thing you here that you've never heard of. That's the truth. You need to come listen yeah. to this, you know. If you were cultured and hip, you would know this is really the hotness. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you wouldn't listen to the popular stuff. Okay. No, you yeah, know, right. That's over there. You know, the, <laughs> the real music people listen to this section. <laughs> right. Like the kid in uh, Empire Records with the long stringy hair that also delivered pizzas and everything. He was like, this is the glue of the world, man. This is the stuff. That you- <laughs> <laughs> the glue of the world. <laughs> that was the kind of stuff that I remembered going to those music stores, because whether it was a corporate store or the local mom and pop shop, there was always one of those guys in that place that could help you find that deep track. And you know, mm-hmm. when I was in high school, I probably had to go back to the music store about, mm, I think I counted 
four times I repurchased the Beastie Boys License to Ill because I wore that tape out playing it in my car. Yep. The fact that you could go to a record store and you could pick up a cassette and you could walk out take off the shrink wrap, throw it in your deck and listen to it on the way home. That was a step up from having the experience back home with the 33 and a third. And so I had, just like you had your uh, milk crate of albums, I expect we all had our box of cassettes there in the car mm-hmm. that you could swap oh, out, right? Right in that passenger seat. Yep. <laughs> yeah. If somebody wants to ride with you, you got to throw that in the back. But yeah. I got my cassettes, you got them lined up and it only fits, you know, maybe it fits 30 or 40 cassettes or something tops. And so you got to pick of my cassettes, which ones live there, which ones are in the trunk, <laughs> Make sure that people put them back into the correct cases when they were done. Damn it. That's yep. right. I put them back in the case at all. I don't want to just make sure that they had the around. spine up when they put it in the case because yes, some please. idiot would put it spine down right. and then you couldn't right. tell what it was. The black blank back of the cassette doesn't tell me anything about what I'm getting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess the car would be the ultimate platform from our youth of how to experience music because it was different than listening at home where your parents would be banging on the door. Turn that down. I don't. Why are yeah. you? Listen to that evil devil music, you know, all that kind of stuff. No, in your car, it was your world. It was your cassette. It was your environment that you controlled. Nobody else had any say-so over it. Before there was the Walkman or the personal play devices or the curated iHeartRadio kind of crap, that was your world. You were the DJ. You were the curator. You were the god of that music. Well, let me tell you, I grew up in New York, so we didn't really have a car growing up. So Uh, the whole thing with me was headphones. Carriage and buggy like system big, did you have headphones <laughs> wow no. well we get in the horse and buggy and then we no. go to the gramophone and i crank that sucker Amish. up and <laughs> <laughs> But as I was saying, was that the, Carry on, uh, it, was, it was like basically having the, the big giant headphones with the quarter inch. Uh, oh, that, yeah. That goes into your record player. The big yep. coily, uh, yeah. the big coily wire on it. Yeah. But let me tell you, though, the sound of those things were actually amazing to me. Anyway. Big over the ear sure. headphones. Yeah. Yep. They didn't care yeah, I mean, about preserving you your hear. listening the, ability. Yeah. I mean, a freaking nuclear bomb could be going off and you would not hear it. You know, if you have the headphones, on. <laughs> these things were just so huge. I mean, that's basically how we got like kind of like that quiet personal music. I mean, because otherwise it's, you know, he said you're sharing with everybody whether they like it or not. Mm. The Better Life is taking your favorite music wherever you go or taping it wherever you are with a Sanyo tape recorder. Sanyo has a fabulous variety of tape recorder values for school, for business or just for fun. Sanyo tape recorders make sound unforgettable. If there was anything in this show you'd like to learn more about, the show notes which accompany each episode are full of links to click and explore. Catch up on past episodes and get pinged every time a new one's released by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. And you know, iTunes reviews help more than you know, so if you haven't yet, please rate and review us in the iTunes app. If you have a friend who hasn't yet discovered Gen X Grown Up, tell them about us. They will thank you later. You're our fourth listener, and we'd love to read your emails right here on the show, so hit us up at podcast at genxgrownup.com. And finally, Gen X Grown Up is more than just this podcast. Our YouTube channel has hundreds of videos ready for you to enjoy. Plus, you can find our entire body of work on genxgrownup.com. So that brings us to today. I mean, we had our platforms of the past. Vinyl, oddly enough, has made a weird resurgence, like it was gone. And then all of a sudden, now it's the collector's edition because I think they're seeing the light. You know, the millennials are like, these big albums are fun to own and all the artwork and the stuff we talked about, you know, they came around to our way of thinking. I actually saw albums in a Target. Really? I know, yep. Believe it or not, yeah. yeah. I saw albums that were selling LPs. I was like, what's the Mainstream. And I would argue that people probably aren't listening to them as much as they're 
collecting. Collecting them because just what we discovered growing up, those were great to own and have the art and be able to look at all the, the sleeves and the inserts and stuff. Sometimes you just need to hold it in your hands, right? Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes music also, George. Yeah. It was that whole debate too, that when CDs first came out, albums still had better quality sound than a CD because an album is analog. So you have basically infinite range you know, mm-hmm. on it. Whereas digital, you only know, have what the capacity of the system. Whereas now though, digital is so huge that scientifically, I don't think you can hear a difference, but yeah. don't tell well, that to a- uh, Some super hipster snobs can, but that's okay. Right. <laughs> oh, that's totally, that's different. You know, you don't get the pure sound. I'm like, no, actually, if you can hear that, then you have Superman hearing because you can pick up stuff that nobody else can pick <laughs> Look, up. I'm 47 years old. I can barely hear myself talk. There's no way in the world I'm going to tell the difference <laughs> yeah. between a 33 and a third, a CD, iHeartRadio, whatever the hell anybody wants to listen to. I'm just happy I got to grow up in an era when a lot of this stuff was being developed and used for the first times. And today you pretty much have two choices. I mean, we have CDs, which are still around. They're still a thing. You can still get them. Although for my own part, I haven't bought a CD and I don't know how I can't long. remember. Yeah, uh, and that's because of the other way you get your music now, which is digitally, right? Everybody yeah. pretty much, if you want an album, if you want a song, you can go and get it iTunes we talked about at the top of the show or any number of other uh, don't even buy the album just uh, subscribe buy to the, the service song. and get oh, all yeah. you can eat right constant right. I can tell you though it's the, the immediate gratification side of that though is I mean it's a good and bad thing it's like we talked about with the video rental stores right going there and the experience of going to a music shop was an experience unto itself but there's something to be said for wow I want that one song I remember and be able to get it download it and listen to it that is nice yeah that is nice yeah so quickly I'm going to go around I'm going to start with George George how do you acquire and listen to music now today differently than you did when you were a kid? Public domain. <laughs> Go find it, download it. <laughs> yeah, yep. I mean, no, honestly, that's pretty much it. Uh, occasionally, I will have a need to pull out an, a record player and listen to a 33 and a third, like one of the old book story record things that mm-hmm. we used to listen to, like G.I. Joe or those kind of things. But for pure music, I rarely listen to the albums or anything anymore, just simply because I don't have the device to play it on. And if I did, it would take up too much room in my office. Yeah. If I have the need to listen to that uh, record, what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be ripping it digitally. So the next time right. I don't have to pull the record out. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Mo, how about you? What is your uh, purchasing and acquiring and listening habits now? What's your platform? This is going to be weird. I don't know why, but I have never pirated music. Like, no, I just, I don't know why. Well, there you I, go. So I always, I've always bought well, it. Because... George and I are just pieces of shit. Fair enough. <laughs> no, I mean, I've done plenty of other stuff, but for, I, don't ask me why. It's like for some weird moral odd reason that I cannot fathom even to myself, but they also made it so affordable that to pay a buck for a song to me is like nothing. I hear you. Or to pay, you know, $7 for an album. I'm like, I remember paying a lot more than that when I bought the album. But with that though, it's still the whole iTunes or Amazon Music or that's where I get download Spotify, music something from. like that. Yeah, sure. Spotify. Yeah. And I kind of get what you're saying to Mo, though I have uh, certainly gone out and acquired, you know, without purchasing music because it's just so stupidly easy sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and for a long time, iTunes or other things, they would encrypt them. So once I got them, I couldn't like get them on other platforms. So kind of I started doing that. Yeah. But uh, there are artists, especially I, I think you have a connection with the music artist you'd love the most, you know, so the, the guy who does our theme song, Beefy, right? The a great uh, nerdcore hip hop artist that I had once downloaded all his music. I since went back and have purchased his music from him <laughs> because yeah, I wanted to support him. You know, there's right. certainly you know, the big bands that you really like. You're going to buy their special edition stuff. You're going to buy the 
special green vinyl or whatever, that kind of thing. I almost don't download and collect music anymore at all because it's so easy. I've got Spotify premium and you just tell Spotify what you want to hear and you hear it. You don't have to go find it or anything. Yeah. And the, and the variety they have on this, these things now is just amazing. To not find a song you're looking for on Spotify is pretty rare. But I still have a crate of vinyl sitting in my house that are records I will never part with because I have a sentimental value to that. And I don't <laughs> think anyone today is ever going to have a sentimental value for that MP3 the way we did with the albums. Yeah, probably not. If I said like, what was the first album you ever bought? You guys could probably answer that question, right? Mm-hmm. I asked my kids, what was the first MP3 they ever downloaded? They all no mm-hmm. idea. Couldn't tell you. <laughs> don't know. Can I look at my sales history and look through the date? Maybe then they can <laughs> figure history out. Amazon purchases? That's the only <laughs> way you would Amazon know. Amazon purchases and I can see that, yeah. <laughs> well, that is going to wrap it up for this backtrack edition of the Gen X Grown Up Podcast. We were taking a look at Gen X music platforms, where we were, where we are today. I am John. Mo, thank you so much for being here. Oh, man, this is always fun. George, I sure appreciate you. Yes, sir. And fourth listener, we appreciate you most of all. We'll be back with a new show next week. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. See you guys. Bye, everybody. No life, no fun. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? No games, no puns. Basically, life sucks as a grown-up. This podcast is an affiliate of the GWW Radio Network. Visit Geeks Worldwide at thegww.com for news, reviews, and opinions on video games, comics, TV, cosplay, and more. I would I would go to look at... Just stumble over your words, John. That's perfect. Yeah. <coughs> Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.